welcome to our latest installment of the Evolution Exchange Cybersecurity Podcast. I'm James Price, Cybersecurity Recruitment Consultant here at Evolution. Today, I'll be your host. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the challenges of 27,001. I'm fortunate enough to be joined by a fantastic panel, so let's kick off with some introductions. But Gary, do you want to kick us off with your introduction, please? Hello, uh, my name is Gary Brooks. I am the CTO of iProtection which is a health and safety software as a service business. So we um, enable our clients to uh, create and control their audit and um, assessment uh, compliance um, inside small to large businesses. Okay, great. Thanks, Gary. And Barry? Hi, I'm... uh... Barry Kurtzworth. I'm a director in Guidehouse in our risk compliance and uh, cybersecurity division. Uh, I spend advising our clients around Europe on cybersecurity, regardless of its regulatory compliance or just general accreditations and consultancy. Thanks, Barry. And Lee? Hi, my name is Lee Williamson. I'm the CISO at EIP. Um, we are a platform as a service provider for device insurers, telcos, and challenger banks. Um, we've just won the, well, we've just been in the InsureTech 100 for the third year running. Um, and I've been working in IT for 25 years, uh, with the past 10 years focusing purely on cybersecurity, um, helping businesses understand their risks, be secure, um, and helping them achieve 27,001. Cheers, Lee. And finally, Owen. Hello, Owen Jones, so a founder of Looply that offer essentially what I call holistic information cybersecurity services to businesses, uh, taking an approach that I call organizational security by design. So that's all about how do you design, build and grow businesses to be holistically secure, looking at the operating framework of the business, the people within the business, and then how you bring in technologies to drive efficiency and effectiveness. Outside of that, I also sit on the boards of a couple of businesses, professional services and startups advising around um, data, data intelligence, data security and technology. Great. Thanks, Owen. Now that we're done with the introductions, let's kick off some questions. So, Gary, your question to the panel was, what strategies and approaches are necessary to ensure that the requirements of ISO 27001 do not overwhelm the business? So, Gary, if you can provide context around your question, please. Hello, Gary. We've uh, recently achieved 27,001, um, but we're quite a small business and we haven't got, at the moment, uh, dedicated staff uh, focused purely on the security side. Uh, therefore, um, you know, a lot is falling upon me as a CTO to um, organise and keep a, a, a rational understanding of exactly where we are in terms of all our procedures and implement all of the procedures. So all of the procedures are passed and we are, you know, we implement these um, rigidly. And it becomes, it can become quite, um, quite onerous just trying to uh, keep up. So um, I would consider myself, having heard the introductions of the other panelists, the, the person that is um, perhaps least experienced in, in actual cyber security. So I'd be fascinated for, for their opinions on that. Philip, we'll start with Barry. Well, I think for 
successful for you know twenty seven thousand one, it really is getting you know you know stakeholder buy in uh, and getting and getting the uh, getting get the management to to go along with with, with the journey for twenty for twenty seven thousand one. Uh, I think that's probably the probably the biggest and main one I would I would say if the management aren't, aren't buying into it. That it's probably not going to succeed or get, or get as quickly as, as quickly as possible. That a good that a good communication. Uh, you can have a really good plan to begin with, but you know plans will change eventually for for, for twenty seven thousand and one on implementation or certification or even just ongoing ongoing maintenance for it. But the main one is uh, communications and management buy in. You know, they, they, ultimately they'll they'll help with the ultimate success. They'll give you budget. They'll give resources, uh, and they will make your life a lot easier uh, with, with, with you know having them than not having them at all. Thanks, Barry and Lee. I think um, that's true. You need to do it as a group with leadership involvement. Um, I think a lot of small organizations jump into the actual 27,001 boat a bit too early without thinking about it. So I think a lot of them, if they're looking at doing it, need to understand the journey and they're going to need to go on what the expected costs are going to be because there will be some. Um, what's the benefits to the business? Is there a benefit to doing it? Apart from security itself, what's the benefit of 27,001? Um, it could be a costly exercise. Is it worth doing it? Is it going to bring in new business in terms of growth? And what's the ongoing maintenance of that going to be in terms of how much going to cost you per year to keep that running? Could you then afford to lose it later? What does it actually mean, loss of business, because, you, because you've lost it? Um, so I think it's, it's very much small steps. Don't try and do everything at once. Um, if you haven't done it before or you're not sure uh, how to do it, by all means, bring in a consultancy. Uh, within how to, to give you the, the benefit um, if you don't have in-house skills. There are now a deluge, uh, funny enough, of automated online solutions coming into play that didn't exist uh, sort of four, five, six years ago that will help you go through the stages of how to get your ISO, how to get through stage one, how to get into stage two, how to do your internal audits, um, and down to even having taken some of that management away from you in terms of um, linking everything together within your standards, creating tasks, which then means that you don't have to manage it so much and spend your time on that. We'll automatically issue a risk to somebody, have a look at it, same with your tasks. So I think that's the main things. If you if you if you're a small business and you're struggling with it, ask for some expertise or indeed look at some of these automated solutions that will take you through A, B, C, through to D and help you to continue to maintain that standard. Great. And Owen? Yeah, so I would say something like, in terms of not just ISO 27001, but looking at information and cybersecurity management across the business, it is very much a business-wide activity. So I've had um, good success with essentially a multidisciplinary working group. So you look at key stakeholders across the business that are usually function department heads or senior members of functions such as HR, finance, operations, sales, marketing, all the key sort of functions of the business. And you bring them into an information security working group. So you distribute the workload across the business and you get input from the business. So you can then feed that into decision-making processes to make sure that essentially not necessarily eliminate, but minimize uh, unforeseen negative consequences you reduce the the focus and dependence on you yourself so you can then focus on more adding strategic value you also is an opportunity to upskill 
individuals in the business. So your education levels and knowledge, skills, expertise across the business becomes higher. And then you can delegate activities. So the people within the working group won't necessarily implement the actions agreed on the working group. They will then have, um, with them being senior members, if not heads of functions, um, the accountability and authority to delegate actions to team members and then they can then um, monitor and report on that and the working group would then report into I assume you've got some form of steering committee that works at board level so then they, the working group then reports into the board and takes the priorities from there that's a structure that I've used in smaller organizations you can then build it out further if you're in a larger organization with a larger headcount where you look at sort of data data security champions that are embedded on the ground so there are more people in the trenches who are the people executing and delivering on the processes day to day and the important thing is to have a bi-directional communication channel so it's traveling both ways so you've got feet bottom up and top down communication is key Brilliant. And Barry? I suppose, I think, because of the question as well of business benefits, sometimes with the ISO 27001, you've got to decide whether you want to comply with it in principle or certify. Now, sometimes it's not necessarily certify and you can just follow the compliance, which is following the frame, uh, following the framework on, on that regard. And there's benefits rather. Now, usually it's to do with winning business or complying with regulatory, regulatory compliance, but you've got a choice, you know, comply or, or, or certify. And like I said, it's usually a, a cost associated with certification. Uh, and sometimes it's just a, it's a, it's a do the business benefits of doing of doing both. But I've I've seen organizations both both, both you know do do well, you know, complying it and certifying. But I'd always recommend certifying it uh, if you've got if you if you can afford the extra cost to get the to get the to get the accreditation. But it's always good to follow any kind of framework, and twenty seven thousand and one is is the international standard. Great, thanks for that, Gary, um, for that question. So next up, we have Barry's question, which is why do SMEs struggle with risk management for ISO twenty seven thousand and one? So Barry, if you give context around this question, please. Yeah, so I guess I'll give a bit, bit of context around the, around the question. I suppose it's not just really with SMEs. I suppose to a degree, any organisation, whether you're small, medium and large, can, you know, also have difficulty with risk management for, for, for different reasons. You know, larger organisations can, can be, shall we say, more cumbersome, you know, more, more governance, a bit more, bit more complicated with how they do, do, do risk management. Uh, but for SMEs, I suppose SMEs, you know, risk management itself is, you know, is, a, is, an, art, is, a, is an art form. And I suppose... With SMEs, what, what sometimes you see is, you know, what's the correct methodology that they should be using? Uh, what kind of approach? Uh, how do they identify risks and, and you know, uh, and, and security risks? And also, you know, how do, how do they treat these risks? You know, what are, what are the controls they should have put in place? So I find that sometimes for, for SMEs, the risk management part of things is, is always quite a quite a large challenge. And then sometimes you've got, is it is it a risk or is it an issue uh, around those kind of things? You see a bit, a bit of, you know, confusion around those, those ones again. So I think it's quite a challenge to get... Uh, to, to get risk management correct for 27001 to get the the right tempo so that not overmanage risk and not undermanage it and you know for, for trying to find find that sweet spot uh, iso 31000 has you know has a quite a good quite a good approach to it but mostly regardless of that one normally you find when you doing assessments risk management is either not being managed successfully or pro properly for operational uh, for operational reasons or it's just not at the right cadence or or, or right tone for the organization uh and the other one as well is sometimes they SMEs depending might be too technical with risk instead of talking about business risk they'll talk about technical risk and technical debt. So I usually find that risk management usually tends to crop up 
quite a lot on assessments uh, for 27,001. Brilliant. Thanks, Barry. We'll go to Lee next. Yeah, I think a lot of good points there made by my, made by Barry. Um, I think it's true. If you, if you look at different sizes of companies and, and how they work, and, and Barry's right, risk is a very complex skill set to have. Um, whereas large enterprises might have the budget for it and might have a small risk department, which is dedicated to the oversight. SMEs usually, as Gary's found, usually push it to the, the IT manager or the CTO. Um, and just by our own nature, um, if it's pushed to an IT manager, they're going to look at IT risk or technical risks, technical controls. Um, the same with a compliance person, they're going to look at, at, at compliance topics. They're going to look at a very small part of the overall picture of the organization. Um, and the other problem as well is, is that today's risks are constantly changing and evolving. Um, we've got a lot of risks in cyber. Um, regulatory changes are happening all the time now. Legal, legal things are changing in different countries, different laws coming in, contractual requirements, customer requirements. These are all things which, which change and evolve how your risk um, is within the, within the business. And I think, again, as we, as we said with the first question there, you need to have leadership involvement. You need to have people from different parts of the business who understand their specific area and, under, and maybe understand what could be a risk within their area. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a difficult one for, for, for very small companies to have a dedicated risk um, person who has the experience to cover all of those things. So, um, And also, you have to have somebody either who understands it or as a business, you need to sit down and agree those risks which ones are going to accept, which ones are going to avoid, how they're going to mitigate, how they're going to transfer them. And you need to understand it's not a small task, it's a very large task, and it's an ongoing task. It's not a one-time-a-year task, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a continual task that you need to work on. Brilliant, thanks, Lee. And Owen? Yeah, I would say one of the bigger issues I've seen is misalignment of how risks are identified and quantified so you have things are done in isolation so you'll have like financial risks other sort of general business risks you'll have technology information security risks have different criteria of how they're scored so your probability ratings your uh, business impact so when you're looking at risk is basically what's the likelihood of it's happening and what's the impact if it happens you have you want to five ratings and then what that one to five is so three might be half a million when it comes to operations but maybe fifty thousand when it comes to it because they've quantified things in isolation so you need a harmonized approach to risk management across the business which every function then aligns to so there's a common understanding of what is a risk because if you don't have aligned uh, criteria what is a uh, say a 20 out of 25 for IT might be very very different to a 20 out of 25 for finance so that impacts business uh, the decision making process and may mean that you're apportioning or over apportioning resource effort cost budget etc to risks in different parts of the business because the, the the scoring isn't aligned and also a seat at the table so it's becoming more and more prevalent but you don't see within any business as many sort of information security specific people with well people with that specialist knowledge with that subject matter expertise at the board level having those conversations making those decisions so you have a, a knowledge gap 
where you have people with lots of finance expertise, lots of other business area expertise, HR, etc. So those risks are very well covered and have senior level buy-in and champions, whereas information and cybersecurity risk doesn't always. So I would say a seat at the table and misalignment of um, risk, uh, quantifying of risk. Brilliant, thanks, Owen. And Gary? Well, I certainly recognise all of the um, uh, points that everybody's made on this. And, you know, I think we have some issues where it's very, very difficult to ascertain what the, uh, what the threat level actually is. You know, the servers obviously get attacked all the time. Um, we have, um, um, you know, we, we have um, systems that also attack our servers all the time to prove that they, they are resilient to that. But having said that, the, you know, the, there are so many risks across the patch that as a small business, it becomes very, very difficult to, to quantify, um, to say that this threat is, is particularly real becomes difficult to go, are we uh, the sort of organization that is going to have a, a focused um, attack on us? Because that is very, very different to the um, somebody in a bedroom somewhere just sending out and, and, and trying to ping and pretend that we're WordPress sites. So trying to um, validate all of those and trying to um, you know understand them in terms of the real world does present for us I think a rather um, a rather difficult problem. Thanks for that Gavin. thanks for that question as well Barry. Uh, our penultimate question today comes from Lee which asks how do companies ensure that having ISO 20001 in place does not lead to security too now across the business? So Lee if you can give us some context around this question please. Sure. Um, obviously, 27001 is, is interesting or, or difficult, should we say, in some organizations to put in from the beginning. Um, and they can be kind of an uphill struggle initially to get it in. I've seen that across many organizations. Once it's in place, however, um, what I've seen is a lot of organizations, once they get the certification, take their foot off the gas, so to speak. Um, and then you start to see previous behaviors starting to reoccur and come in um, gradually over time. Uh, things like evidence gathering, etc., slows down, and then you often see that you know a week, a couple of weeks, maybe a month before the next audit due, there's a sudden pain cycle across the whole business to try and get all the documentation up to date, the procedures up to date, uh, gather evidence and stuff like that ready for for audit. Um, and I think the fact that ISO is an ongoing ongoing process; it's not a one-time activity; it's a constant month by month activity, year by year. Um, I have seen it in certain organizations where people people tend to almost like um, when your kids are making a lot of noise at the dinner table, they kind of tune out. You don't really hear it anymore. Um, I'm just wondering how other people are dealing with that. Brilliant. Thanks, Lee. And if we can go to Owen next. Yeah, so ultimately it all starts at the top. So you need that buy-in, that commitment from board level, and it needs to be driven down from the organization in order to ensure that it continues the two key 
and pillars, I would say, is around education and accountability. So you're making sure that it's staying front and centre, that there's a con constant stream of communication, again, both ways, that people are having regular information, notifications, the, they're seeing it. So they're, it's because what tends to happen as well is you implement it, the business goes, ah, relaxes and goes, right, we have other priorities and starts focusing on that. So then the noise from other activity drowns that out. So it's all about keeping information cybersecurity front and center using an education campaign. So you're building that knowledge base across the business, but they're seeing it day to day so they don't forget about it. But also, ultimately, accountability matters, but that's from the top down to the bottom. So you're needing to hold senior management, mid-level management and individuals accountable. That could be by looking at things around KPIs, SLAs, internal OLAs, and making sure that they are monitored, reported, and that there are consequences, uh, positive or negative but very much using a carrot and stick approach. So you reward as well as not punish, but uh, there are consequences to actions and those consequences can be both positive and negative. Thanks, Owen. And Gary? So the way we tackle this is that uh, every month the uh, board meets and focuses really for a whole day on um, 27,001 issues. So that at least there is some degree of of drumbeat and that you know at any point that may or may not be uh, focusing on exactly the right issues but over the course of the year then that will pick up um, pretty well the whole gamut of the, the 27,001 uh, requirements which is something that you know in reality has to be very um, high in our uh, list of um, priorities but also it it does then help us to pick up those those other things that maybe not requirements but are uh, good practice that we need to uh, put in anyway that's our practical approach to this brilliant thanks gary and barry well, having, having implemented 27001 and managed it m multiple times i suppose like 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 any ongoing thing it needs you know, feed, feeding and watering so we find the best way to, to keep it ongoing uh, is to really run communications and reporting so let, let let the let the employees know you know a regular awareness and education whether it's through email or something else uh, you know they know the status of 27001 uh have regular meetings whether it's going to be monthly or quarterly it depends on the or, or, you know the organization and have a mixture of people involved in the meetings uh, for different areas you know uh, legal hr uh, development uh, operations depending on what what the, what the organization is have different people in there there with different responsibilities uh, and also making sure that when you have actions from these meetings that they're, they're followed up and and, and addressed uh, but also regular reporting so the really good thing is you know report to the business or or, 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 the, or the leaders the amount of incidents you have the amount of uh, the amount of improvements you're doing on internal or external or external audits especially on your surveillance audits uh, and just keep it going it doesn't need a lot of work uh, but it does it does need it, it does need it often and a little bit often often each month what we do find it tends to start failing when people in slightly small organizations are wearing multiple hats and they have another day job to do uh, and when it comes around to an audit, a surveillance audit or uh, your full audit you find there's, there's a massive rush at the end of the uh, the last three months uh, to get policies changed to get things done to get meetings done uh, and, there's, and there's a bit of a rush so a little bit often does help uh, uh, you don't really need a dedicated team but you do need someone dedicated and accountable for it but ultimately it boils down to communication 
making sure the management are getting reports, uh, and, and as we said before, before KPIs, making sure your employees are aware of the benefits of 27,001, but also how it's making their life, their life and their, their job easier. If 27,001 is making their life a bit more difficult with, with, with a bit of change, then it's, you're going to fall back to old ways, and then you're going to start having to do more work to update the policies and, get, and keep it ongoing. But ultimately, communications and reporting are the, are the best ways to keep, keep this going. Uh, and I would say little bit often helps than a, than a big bang approach. Thanks, Barry, and thanks, Lee, for that question. Finally, we have Owen's question, which asks, do you in, how do you ensure everyone across the organisation at all levels are brought into the journey to ISO 27001 and see it as a priority, not just for the business, but for both them and their team and department? So, Owen, if you could provide context around this question, please. Yeah, so this is more around resistance to change that you come across every time you try to, yeah implement any form of transformation and with ISO as has previously mentioned on earlier on in the podcast as ISO 27001 is very much a journey that never ends it's it's a constant journey that you even once you've implemented it you're constantly having to do work and as you're saying a little bit and often so it's how do you manage elim, not necessarily eliminate but sort of get past resistance internally not not just at the board level so assuming you even have board level buy-in and senior exec buy-in you have to have buy-in from all levels of the organization because otherwise you can report on things but things aren't going to be implemented you need people to follow new processes you need people to report incidents you need people to implement change so it's getting that resist getting past that resistance to change and getting people if not enthusiastic at least kind of driving forward willingly so you're not having to drag them forward they're kind of at least moving forward with you thanks owen and gary i think you may be on mute yeah. gary so our direct experience of um, of this is exactly what you said i mean it's little little and often and uh by making small changes on a regular basis the, the um the reluctance to to change can almost be melted away. The, the, sometimes you will come across a problem, and that might have to be tackled individually. But as a general rule, um, certainly when I've implemented significant change by just applying a little bit, um, a little bit enough, and you you can just get rid of the vast bulk of the problem. Then, yeah. Maybe people have genuine issues over certain bits. That then gives you the opportunity and the time to resolve those um, with the individual's concern. Great, thanks, Gary and Barry. Well, I suppose uh, I suppose twenty-seven thousand one is uh, a bit like the rule of Fight Club. You know, you never talk about Fight Club with uh, with twenty-seven thousand one. Any compliance thing is. Is, is language. So the best thing is don't talk about change because if, if I go, if you go, if you go, to, go to a department and go, I'm going to change the way you're working tomorrow, you'll be quite quickly told to go somewhere else in that regard. So the best thing is to focus on uh, talk about improvements and benefits and balance. So talk about how it's going to improve, you know, improve their day, you know, decrease workload in a certain area, make it a bit more streamlined. You've got to be a bit, you know, wordsmithing with some of the wording, you've got to market it and you've got to kind of sell it a, li sell it a little bit. But if you talk about change, people are hesitant. We so say you talk about how it's going to benefit them as an individual or as a department, uh, how we can balance it out. And also the best one is ask them, okay, we're going to think of doing this way to, to improve how you're doing things, not change how you're doing things. Is there a better way? Can you see this working? Is there a better, 
is this is this going to work for you? Is it going to be something different? You know, so get their buy-in, and if you get their buy-in, they'll join you on the journey. They'll be less hesitant to, to do things slightly different, uh, slightly di slightly differently than they've done before. So, it's all about the wording and language. So, if you talk about benefits, improvements, and balance, you know, balancing, kind of about work-life balance balance out, and, and that's what twenty-seven thousand security is. It's all about balance, you know, balancing, you know, availability, confidentiality, and integrity in a, in a, in a big mixing pot there, but against language. And if you're talking the right language, the right people, they'll be less hesitant to change and more help you to go along with, along with the journey. So that, that, tends, that tends to work, work pretty well. Great. Thanks, Barry. And finally, Lee. Yeah, I think all, all very good points. Um, I think a lot of this has been covered in the, in the previous questions, but definitely leadership need to be involved, um, the board, the C-suite, um, and they need to walk the talk. Um, it cannot be this, well, this is the rules for everybody, but this is not the rules for us. <laughs> And that you see in some organisations. Um, my experience is if, if if your leadership team are following that, uh, the rest kind of naturally follows. Um, yeah, definitely establish an infosec committee uh, with all parts of the business represented to discuss out these these, these changes and, and and what that's going to mean to that. And if it, if there can be a different way for that to work, uh, make those decisions on a regular basis. Um, Owen mentioned it on the previous question. Uh, what I've found works in the past is 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 align security behaviors or create security metrics or KPIs for individuals and department heads, um, which then feeds into the performance reviews uh, that has an impact on somebody personally um, or a department. Praise good behavior. Um, I think often um, InfoSec is, 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 too, is too quick to judge people if they do something wrong or they click on something they shouldn't. Um, we should move away from that praise good behavior. Um, have everyone understand how they're involved in the process of keeping the, the, the company the day secure, uh, provide regular interesting educational activities. Uh, we've, we've found actually at EIP that micro-training works very well, combined with an annual fun uh, security pub quiz, which is actually hosted and written by our CEO. Um, so that's the kind of involvement we get, um, and that naturally shows to the business that, you know, it is a leadership-driven thing. Brilliant. And Barry? I suppose the other uh, good way of doing it is, is to piggyback on, you know, existing projects initiatives. So if HR are doing something, maybe you can add some requirements in that one there. So ultimately, you're not the bad guy. HR, HR's the bad guy for, for doing things around. Or if it's an IT project, maybe you can get some things and requirements in that one around. So you've got to, is, is that, you know, change happens with 27,001. But if you're duplicating things, uh, it's going to it's gonna just annoy people. They're going to not resent it, but they're not going to, you know, join on the journey. So existing project initiatives, if you can piggyback on, on them somehow, uh, it'd be less business disruption, less business impact. Uh, and it also will save you, you know, save you time, costs and resources, which is good, good, good for everybody. Thanks, Barry. And thank you all for your questions and answers. Some really good insights. Hopefully you've all today enjoyed today's conversation. I'd like to thank the four of you for joining me today outside of your busy work schedules to come together and have a great conversation around such an important topic for businesses as they look to grow. We'll leave it there for now. This has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. Thank you for listening.